today on Ag News Daily. We went through a drought a couple years ago and just barely have been working our way out of it. So the soil profile has actually been pretty open. Listeners, happy Friday, April 28th, 2023, the last episode of April. So listeners, next time we check back in with you, it'll be May. Tanner and Delaney here to bring you the latest headlines. How's Delaney doing? I'm good, Tanner. Learning a lot this week about digital marketing. Oh, good. I like a, I like to hear that. Listeners, we're excited to continue to bring an episode to you together today. Uh, I'm going to say weather, just kind of the way we've been kicking things off here the last couple of months. A wide range. I feel like I've been saying that the last two weeks, but we still have freeze warnings in the north. We've got frost advisories in Nebraska, northern Kansas. Uh, temperatures that come with cool weather and light winds. But then you look at Oklahoma and Texas panhandles, they've got wind advisories that are still going to blow around those dry conditions. Flood watches have been issued for Minnesota and Wisconsin. And then we've got more severe storms hitting the southern portion of our nation. Right now, nearly 12 million people in Texas around the Dallas-Fort Worth area are under severe thunderstorm warnings. There's chances of hail through that region as well. There is a level two to five severe storm warning for those people in Texas, Oklahoma, and the Texas-Arkansas borders. So keep your eye out there for large hail and high winds. Well, Tanner, staying on the weather path, we do have official word that flooding is occurring along the Mississippi River as levels continue to rise. As I reported on yesterday, we've got locks and dams shut down from, I think, three until 17, lock three through 17. But the upper Mississippi River levels have officially started flooding. As you look at roads in the Midwest, including Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, we've seen DOT confirmations that road closures along the Mississippi River have started as some roads are underwater or have at least moving water across them. The state of Iowa's Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management urged Iowans that live near the river to keep an eye out from official updates to prepare for possible evacuations, Tanner. Um, The governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, also issued a disaster proclamation earlier this week for multiple counties alongside the river and asked for state agencies to help play their part in getting folks out before we see major flooding occur. But as we're seeing snow pack and snow melt, that's going to continue to be the culprit of more rivers flooding along the Mississippi and those that they branch out to Tanner. So definitely not out of the woods yet on this, Um, but perhaps we're getting close to cresting levels. I read something this morning that said we're at the seventh highest level ever recorded in the quad cities. Wow. I uh, had seen a lot of those headlines, never clicked into any of those articles. So glad that you're able to share that. We're looking here in Iowa for the first time in 34 years, Iowa farmers will begin paying a portion of their grain sales into the state's indemnity fund beginning July 1st. The board that oversees the fund voted yesterday to reinstate the fee to fill back up recent drawdowns from a number of grain warehouse failures. We'd reported on two of those earlier this year, the grain indemnity fund balance dipped below $3 million following three recent failures. According to the Iowa Department of Ag and Land Stewardship, 
the state of Iowa will assess a one quarter cent per bushel charge. That fee is expected to remain in place for at least one full year or until that fund balances reach $8 million. In addition, the state is required by law to reinstate participation fees for grain dealers and warehouses. These fees will only apply to cash sales, not grain that's already sold on credit sale contracts. Iowa's paid out a number of these claims. The failures that we have talked about here is Pipeline Foods LLC, Global Processing Inc., and the B&B Farm Store failure in Jessup uh, was the one that we talked about most recently. The balance of the indemnity fund after approved claims to paid uh, approximately $377,000, the pipeline foods announcement. After their chapter 11 bankruptcy, global food processing was, uh, so there, so pipeline was in 2021, global processing was in October of 2022. Farmers in uh, August of 2022 lost nearly $1.3 million to Jessup, Iowa B&B farm store. So three failures leading to this indemnity one quarter of a cent per bushel uh, obviously doesn't sound like a lot Delaney but when you're talking about raising more than five million dollars in six months that's going to have a huge impact on Iowa farmers yeah that certainly will Tanner one thing that will also have an impact on Iowa farmers or hopefully will is the announcement today that the Biden administration has allowed yet again E15 summer sales here with higher pumps, higher blends available at the pump. Of course, the aim is they're saying keeping consumer prices down during the high demand summer driving season. And obviously E15 is cheaper at the pump. This is a good win for the biofuel industry. However, a lot of questions still are coming into play is when they're going to just pass E15 year round. But for now, we got summer sales once again. Yeah, and it's interesting because the ethanol industry is still lobbying the administration to push the lower carbon aviation fuel that's made from ethanol, hopefully to try and get more of those qualifications for subsidies under the Inflation Reduction Act. The campaign, obviously, we've discussed here before, for, you know, pushes the ethanol industry's desire to expand outside of regular motor vehicle fuels into the aviation industry. The Biden administration has said they've targeted about 3 billion gallons of sustainable aviation fuel to be produced per year by 2030, but they're looking for a little bit more of a tax credit to incentivize the ethanol producers and research to push and move that deadline up. The package right now looks like a SAF fuel will yield 50% reduction in the life cycle emissions compared to the regular jet fuel used today. But the jet fuel already gets a $1.25 tax credit. The ethanol industry is looking to use a methodology to calculate emissions reductions and boost their tax credit even further above that. So ethanol industry is Definitely working hard for producers right now, it looks like, to see if we can get some policy in favor to boost demand. Well, Tanner, I've got a few headlines here. Quick hits for the Russia-Ukraine situation. As we know, the G7 summit met over the weekend, last weekend, and didn't know if we picked up on this piece of news, so wanted to make sure our listeners were aware of it. But Moscow has threatened that they may retaliate if the G7 countries proceed with a total ban on most exports to Russia, which would leave them pretty 
uh, under the gun, since Russia does import a lot of products from other countries. The news happened, like I said, earlier this week. And in response to that, we've already seen a little bit of retaliation from Russia as during the safe grain corridor or the passage there, you know, of that deal. Uh, a couple of ships moved through that, quote, safe corridor area yesterday or tried to, but Russia blocked them. They let them through, I think, early this morning or late last evening, but blocked them for quite some time first as four ships are trying to move through that area. We're also still seeing a deal trying to be brokered here between Poland and Ukraine, as Poland has reported that an agreement that would allow Ukrainian grain to pass through the country, but not stay in the country, has yet to be completed with several obstacles still yet to overcome, especially as more challenges are arising for the extension of the safe corridor initiative. That's definitely putting strain on the other countries located around the country of Ukraine. And of course, they're heading into their planting season, Tanner. And that calls into the big question of whether or not they're going to get this crop planted with all of the infrastructure damages, uh, probably missile. What would be the word I'm looking for? Not shells. What's the you know piece of hardware that gets left behind? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm with, struggling with the name, but that type of 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 infrastructure is still just sitting in a lot of these fields. We've seen a lot of cool satellite images that have, have showed that. So it's going to be a tough road to hoe this year to get crops planted. And, and that certainly is going to play its part in the global markets. Yeah, well, that's uh, gosh. Now I'm really struggling with that too. Obviously we can tell it's a Friday episode. Maybe yeah. we've uh, <laughs> had, had a little fun too early in the day. No, that's uh, not the case listeners, but yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, we keep getting up, Dates from Russia and Ukraine. You know, there was uh, reports now of 19 to 20 people killed in initial mm. strikes coming from Russian fires. Of course, Kiev uh, is stating that they did well and intercepted 21 of 23 cruise missiles that came through and destroyed two additional drones. So it's interesting to see as you get reports from both sides of things that even though uh, these offenses are taking place, we obviously know that the counteroffense is uh, according to releases near ready to be launched. So we'll be curious to see next week if that takes place and where uh, they will be looking at launching that ad. Of course, that's what's happening across the sea. Let's see if we bring things back home. Uh, one of the things that is high on experts radar right now is farmer suicides. So every 11 minutes, someone takes their own life. 68% of those die by suicide are from rural areas. Suicide rates among farmers are six times higher than the national average. Of course, this is not something that is only a United States focus, but this high rate of farm suicide means that we need services to better take care of our farmers. And uh, groups are looking at putting that together. Uh, press release came out that there is now a Spanish hotline. So for those that uh, don't have English as their first language or a tough time understanding. There's now a resource that way. Hopefully, Delaney, we can get an interview scheduled there with that group to produce uh, more clarity on that announcement. Farming communities are not only trying to learn about how to help producers cope with their mental struggles, but also looking to provide access to mental health professionals. Um, as farmers face hurdles and don't feel like they have to go through this alone, 
there is discussions about online therapy. So a couple of groups are working to put together online programs. As this article is developing, there is continued focus on where resources are made available. The Agri Stress Helpline is available by dialing 833-897-2474. You can also call or text the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing simply 988. And for those that need any additional support, you can text GO to 74174. But we'll see if these groups continue to put a focus on agriculture and what additional resources will be brought to our attention. Well, speaking of additional resources, the USDA, 16 months after the announcement by Secretary Vilsack, has officially launched the $3.1 billion Climate Smart Initiative campaign. This is three times the amount than was originally planned, Tanner, and would be spent will be spent on 141 pilot projects to offer incentives that encourage producers to adopt climate mitigation practices on farmland. Bill Sachs said this is going to be game changing for U.S. producers as farmers. Farming is no longer about what food is produced, but also about how the food is produced. So 29 of the projects involving 45 commodities in the partnership are already active and the rest will be put in place here over the next few years. So it's going to be interesting to see what those specific projects are. Yeah, absolutely. But Delaney, for my Friday, I'm out of headlines. I lumped those last two together. If you've got anything left, feel free to jump into it. Or maybe we look at markets here mid-morning. Let's do that. Here at the Midday Tanner, we are seeing markets fairly healthy across the board. Aside from new crop corn, everything else in the grain markets is trading higher. May corn six and three quarters cents higher at 633 and three quarters as we head into May expiration in just a few days. December corn down three and a quarter cents at 527 and a half. May soybeans here at the midday are trading 19 and a quarter cent higher at 1446. Nove new crop beans adding 10 cents at 1266 and a quarter. Hard red May winter wheat up 18 cents today at 797 at the midday. And as we take a look here at livestock markets, June live cattle are flirting with unchanged here at the midday at a buck 6530. May feeder cattle down 12 and a half cents at 211.40 and May lean hogs 87 and a half cents higher on the board today at $79. Tanner, it's very fitting that we have been chatting a lot about flooding and all the news going on in the upper Mississippi River because today we're going to be turning it over to a conversation with North Dakota's Secretary of Agriculture to tit his perspective on just how dire things are up there in North Dakota. Today, listeners, we have Secretary Goring of North Dakota joining us. How are you doing this morning, Secretary? I'm doing well. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us throughout your very busy schedule, I am sure. And this morning, we just have a few questions that we'd like to talk about, beginning with the outlook for North Dakota. Are there any specific things that you're looking at coming into the spring and summer with agriculture or just specifics with weather that you would think are affecting the future in the area? Yeah, well, we're definitely going to be behind this year. Uh, by this time, we would have uh, producers uh, getting ready to put corn seed in or start row crops. So 
uh, we would have most of our small grains. I shouldn't say most, but we'd have quite a few of our small grains actually planted, whether we're talking about oats, uh, barley, uh, winter wheat, uh, well, spring wheat and durum. Uh, we would actually have some producers getting peas and uh, dry beans in the ground, lentils, things like that. Uh, this year, there's still snow in many fields and soil temps aren't even to the to the point where they can really start germinating any crops. I believe in southwestern North Dakota, there might be uh, soil temps might be high enough to actually start on some of the small grains. But uh, it's just been a late season, late year, and we still have snow in the fields. And the further north you go and the further east you go, we're finding uh, a few more problematic areas. We've had some flooding. Uh, in fact, the Missouri River Basin isn't too bad, but the James River, which actually flows into the Missouri River, has had some issues. Um, we're currently cresting believe that we're going to work through this over the weekend i think the biggest problems that uh, one has to really contend with aren't in our state but in south dakota the james river is really flat going through south dakota and uh, there's probably going to be flooding all along that river at least for a week or two uh, going forward eastern part of the state uh, we have the cheyenne uh, river basin and the red river which the cheyenne flows into the red that's causing a few more problems we're actually starting to see cresting taking place as we speak getting into later this weekend and early next week and some problematic areas along there are as you move further north where there's still snow and there's still frozen soil there's there's some real challenges there, and we're going to have producers probably two to three weeks, uh, definitely later, getting those crops in. I've already heard farmers talking about uh, contacting their their seed their seed agents and and making some changes in what they're going to do this year. It'll be tough to say, but. Uh, I think the, the makeup of crops this year is going to shift a little bit in North Dakota. Absolutely. And with all of the discussion that you just mentioned on flooding that has occurring and looking towards the future with planting is, I'm sure, still in progress um, or just barely beginning. As I know, in Iowa, we don't have as much progress in my area as I'm sure many planters and farmers would like to see. What sort of preventative measures are you or the state able to take to prepare for flooding in this scale in the future and as we move forward? Well, I will say that we've had kind of an ideal melt. Uh, it could have been far worse. It's just that we've had near record snowfall and it started a long time ago last fall uh, in October, which is rare for us. I mean, it's not unusual, but uh, to have it come in October and stay throughout the rest of the winter, that's rare. And that's part of what we've been dealing with. Um, there is a caveat to all this. So there's a silver lining in the cloud. And that is 
We went through a drought a couple of years ago and just barely have been working our way out of it. So the soil profile has actually been pretty open. And interestingly enough, a lot of a lot of producers and landowners have stated that, you know, when the frost came out of the ground in some areas, the water went down in other areas where it seemed there was no frost or light frost in the ground. Uh, most of that moisture was taken up. So that'll help. Going forward, there's only so much you can mitigate and do. It's most of the urban areas that uh, they'll have flood control plans in place. Most of our rural uh, areas, the best thing that really the, the municipalities and landowners can do is just make sure that we have adequate uh, uh, flow going down through some of those ravines and within that watershed. Sometimes you'll see culverts will get plugged or maybe there's not large enough culverts in place. Uh, you'll have a lot of water backing up in some areas. I think the biggest thing is a lot of people understand what the issue is and it just all depends on what spring melt is. Most definitely. And now looking at a kind of different side of agriculture on the more supply chain and logistics, are there any issues or anything that you are preparing for as we are moving forward with everything this season? Yeah, we have a lot of concerns about uh, the hours of service for trucks to deliver mostly fertilizer because it's all going to happen at one time. Generally, we would open up on the southern end of the state first, uh, primarily the south, southwestern part of the state, and then it kind of gradually moves out and up into the rest of the state. Uh, this year, it, it, it appears the southern half of the state is going to have a large impacted area with everybody holding off on purchasing fertilizer because the price has just been too high. It's just unrealistic to be purchasing it last, this last winter and fall at these prices. Um, people have held off till now, which is going to create a problem as that need expresses itself and there's not much product available. So I've already been visiting with the uh, motor carriers and the Ag Association. They have a request in. I am presenting a, a letter to the governor, and I don't believe it's going to have a problem. But uh, it's it's going to be a logistics issue trying to disperse that much uh, fertilizer because a lot of what we pull from is is some in state, but it's also from southeast of us uh, Iowa for example we pull product from Iowa and it kind of works timely because as that part of the world's needs are dissipating ours are picking up so it's generally a, a good deal but if everybody's hitting the field all at the same time in the region that's going to make it much more difficult. Absolutely. And I guess before we wrap it up, is there any other important information that you think listeners should be aware of that is happening in the industry of North Dakota right now? Well, I think for I believe for North Dakota, the upper Midwest, the Midwest in general, 
a lot of what we're we're monitoring, watching, and engaging is just issues with EPA and overregulations, and it it seems like almost every ten days, fourteen days, we're in a new meeting with EPA, and they're proposing something else they want to do going forward, and that's um, that's really worrying us. We we've got so much time spent now, just trying to play defense or uh, quite frankly, just survive in this environment, uh, this continued onslaught of, of new rules and regulations, WOTUS being one of them. And I'm so glad that we're all partnered together, 24 of us states, Iowa, including with North Dakota, West Virginia, to at least stop the the, the rhetoric and and what's going on until we can get a decent handle on waters of the U.S. and what the federal government is trying to impose upon us. And and really, it, it compromises our sovereignty as states and our ability to operate as industries, whether we're talking about agriculture, energy, infrastructure, development, developers. I mean, all of this will have a dramatic impact on our livelihood, on food security, energy security, uh, national security. It's kind of one of those deals where I say, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to continue to fight the good fight. Most definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Secretary Goring. It is truly appreciated. Thank you. You take care. go listeners like we said this is the last episode of april thanks for hanging out with us here on our friday episode when we come back we'll be in may we look forward to having you join us as well delaney what do you say for today should we let the listeners go let's let them go